Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. So favorite draft day moments in Panthers history, draft day moments ever. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Some of this stuff. Hold on. It's Wes. We got to say R.I.P. to Springer. You know what I'm saying? Jerry Springer. And Walker. Wes, I'm going to ask you a question. What's up? It is the day of the number one overall selection. This is true. And you told me to stop talking about the NFL draft. Just to real say, quick. hold on, let's send an RIP out to Jerry Springer. He's a part of our show, though. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. He's a part of our show. Wait. <laughs> National Championship Monday. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming on the Body Works. Oh, excuse me. Not Body Works. Charlotte Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. Well, Carolina Men's Clinic text line too, but it's all right. It's Carolina. I said mm-hmm. Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're all over the place. It is Monday <laughs> and I do have a bad case of the Mondays. Okay. So, all right. So, guys, also to hit the... Follow button on those socials, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at West Bryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail, and at HTB underscore Josh, as well as most importantly, at Wesson Walker on Twitter and Instagram. Without further ado, it's National Championship Night. It is time to go to the campus. Kona! All right, folks, tonight is the night. It's been a long season, and it culminates tonight in the national championship. We got the best two teams in all of America, the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies, and a nostalgia bowl of sorts as well. When you talk about two teams that were dominant in the 90s as well, and so starting first with Michigan, they're seeking their 12th national title. They lead Washington in the all-time series 8-5, and five, and 8-5, to five, including winning the last two matchups. They're 49-28 and 28 in games after 5 p.m. I love some of those niche stats like that, including 7-10 and 10 on neutral sites. Jim Harbaugh is 2-6 and six in bowl games at Michigan. So, guys, coming into this game with Michigan and Washington, I think first I will ask, how juiced are we for this game? Because it feels like it's lacking some buzz coming into tonight's matchup. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited because I think what we've seen is Washington even if they are one score games all across the board, they continue to show that they can win a lot of the exciting games against really good programs. So while Michigan is the favorite, they're a five and a half point favorite coming into tonight, you have to give Washington a real good shot to end up on top here because it doesn't matter if they play Texas who many people had Texas winning. Many people had many people had Oregon winning the second time they played. Many people had Oregon winning the first time. Like so many college football enthusiasts had at least at one point this season Washington falling at some point. And Michael Penix and that Huskies offense, the defense not so great, but the offense continues to turn out victory after victory, and so they have a real good shot. Plus with Michigan here West, Michigan's shown that they can get beaten the last few games that they've played. Good competition, Ohio State. They had to have a a game-sealing interception at the end. 
They beat Alabama, but that also came at overtime, and that was kind of a botched snap where Jalen Milrow has to run up the middle and just not nice execution offensively from Alabama. And even against Maryland, you know, that was a game going into the fourth quarter, and only scoring points was uh, Michigan scoring a safety there. So that was a game once Maryland scored 14 in the third. They've shown that they're a little vulnerable at the at, at the end of the season. I, I'm excited as hell for this one. You are too, Fitty? Well, I mean, are you guys surprised that it's lacking juice? Guess who owns the rights to the national title game? ESPN. Guess what conference is missing from the national title game? The SEC. So and when you've got a West Coast team that, albeit it's going to join the Big Ten next year, you've got an all Big Ten final, you would think this would drum up the conversation. But whenever the ESPN doesn't have the SEC to put up there and to promote and to shove down your throats 24-7, 365, this is what you get. I think you can get a great game if Washington wins. I think if Michigan wins, we'll know the result of this game by the middle of the third quarter. Well, I got to disagree as far as because ESPN, they've got their path to the national championship and all the different programming and stuff like that, like normal. But I think also, too, is the location. You got a Midwest team, you got a West Coast team, and not a lot of people down south. You know, Michigan has that all time pedigree, but I think, you know, it's just something about it. And it's the last few championship games, whether it's SEC fatigue or whether it is. Uh, you know, the controversy of who was left out, how many teams are in. I think that's playing into it a bit. I think next year when you go to 12 teams, there's going to be a ton of buzz. But when you talk about uh, the Washington defense, they've allowed 51 fourth quarter points over the last nine games and just 37 points in the fourth quarter over the last six. So this is the Washington defense that definitely, uh, in the football coach's turn, bows their neck when they need to. But Washington's got the nation's longest winning streak right now, current. Uh, at 21, Kalen DeBoer, their head coach, is 10-0 versus ranked teams. And all of Washington's last 10 games have all been decided by 10 points or fewer. Washington's won all of those games. Number one passing offense, number 10 in total offense. Michael Penix, we know what he's done. Number one in the FBS in passing yards and pass yards per game. But Michigan, they're coming into this game with J.J. McCarthy. We know what he represents to this program. 26-1 and one as a starter. Best touchdown to interception ratio in Michigan history. Blake Corum coming in with that school record. 56 rushing touchdowns, including 25 all by himself this season. Michigan leads the nation in scoring defense and total defense, giving up a paltry 10.2 points per game. They've only allowed 26 scores total on the season, 17 of which are touchdowns. And so when we look at this matchup, you know, I'm super excited about it as well. I'm definitely excited about the start time too. But I just think that the location in the last couple of years with all the controversy and everything that's changed in college football is affecting this. But when we look at this game tonight from an individual perspective, who do we think will be the MVP? And I guess that also plays into our selections of who we think will win because there's not going to be an MVP of a losing team. I think you're looking at the quarterbacks, and Michigan is the one that you could look towards Blake Corum. Um, I just think I've been waiting for Michigan to have to rely on J.J. McCarthy, and they did in that last drive against Alabama in order to end up going to overtime and then eventually winning. And so J.J. McCarthy has been good all year long. He's a borderline first-round pick if you look at what NFL scouts are saying right now and what's being reported. But I can't help but just point to J.J. McCarthy. If Michael Penix and this Washington offense continues to score at a high clip, 
let's say their offensive line is actually well suited to block against what has been a great defensive line. Like we've, ta- I think you were the one that mentioned it against Texas. Michael Penix had a lot of time to throw against he Texas. Did. Yes, and the nation's Michael- best offensive line. And so the nation's best offensive line against a team's identity that has been surrounding defense and running the football and your good old fashioned dad's favorite football type of style. That's the type of uh, philosophies that one is going up against, and that's why I'm excited to see if J.J. McCarthy might actually have to air it out a little bit. It feels like Washington's offense is better suited for an air raid type of attack, but J.J. is still a really good QB. That's the one thing that Jim Harbaugh had never been able to get at Michigan, and then finally you get your guy, but still you don't go away from your roots that allowed you to get to some of those Big Ten championships and now college football playoff championships. So I'm excited to see what J.J. can do tonight. I think it's going to be a battle of the QBs. Yeah, I think tonight my MVP, and I'm going to uh, pick Michigan for this football game, I'm going to go with Blake Corum because I think he's the heart and soul of this team. We saw him show up in the biggest moments against Alabama, and this is a kid that, I mean, you saw him in the interviews, the blood, while he's sitting up there talking to the press with the blood all over his face. He's just a tough guy. I think that Michigan will have an easier time running the football on this team than what they had against Washington. And so with that, I think that Blake Corm is going to be the guy tonight to get this thing done on an explosive uh, Michigan offense has had 68 plays of 20-plus yards with 50. Who's your MVP for this game tonight? Yeah, I, I don't know if you were just taking the words right out of my mouth, but for me, it'd be Blake Corum as well. I know Michael Penix Jr. Uh, is, is going to be the biggest star of the field. I, I think Blake Corum's the best football player on the field tonight. He came back to Michigan for this reason, to return to the playoff, advance to and win a national championship. Uh, he scores multiple TDs like his life depends on it. I think that's going to be the case, and I think he's going to be the driving force as to why Michigan wins their first national title since 1997. And so when we look at these teams and start to break them down, and I guess our MVP picks would reveal some of that, but which which units do we trust more tonight? Is it Michigan's defense? Is it Washington's offense? Is it Michigan's offense or Washington's defense? Which one are we trusting? I'll start the conversation. I'm going to say I trust Michigan's defense the most because uh, this is a team, as I said, that leads the nation in scoring defense, uh, only allowed 26 scores total. They make it so tough on you. They manhandled Alabama up front for the most part in that game. Really got after the quarterback, got a lot of sacks in that football game. And for Washington's offensive line, I think if they're really going to prove how good they are, and I think they did an excellent job of doing that against Texas, but this will be their toughest test yet uh, against this Michigan defensive line in front seven. But I think Michigan, for the last few seasons that they've been in the college football playoffs, even though they're 0-2 there, their defense has always been the catalyst. They've always been a very, very stingy unit. And so, you know, they, they've had some times, like I said, TCU got the best of them last year. But I think that this is Michigan's time, and I do trust their defense to get in there and have a good game plan for this Washington offense. I actually think I trust Michigan's offense the most because that matchup against Washington's offense is going to be really tough, even though you have to trust Michigan's defense, right? I totally get that. But if you look at what the Wolverines offense has been able to do, they've been able to control the football a lot. That's how Blake Corum comes into play. If they need to throw it downfield, I do trust J.J. McCarthy to make those throws. And defensively, it's not like Michigan can't be scored on at all. And Alabama found at least some success, and it was some mistakes that Alabama just made on their own. 
Like Jalen Milrose fumble where he wasn't hit at all. He just coughs up the football. That could have been a real point that Michigan was able to capitalize on. They didn't, but it wasn't like they had a huge hit on Milrose running to the outside. Just a bad fumble. I think with Michael Penix and that Washington offense, I can't help but go back to the Washington State game where they got pretty damn lucky a couple times. Michael Penix threw interception-worthy throws. Just the Cougars weren't able to capitalize on it. Michigan's offense, they put up 31 against Maryland. They put up 30 against Ohio State. They shut out Iowa, but Iowa's offense is terrible. And they still scored 26 against a good defense. They still scored 27 and drove down the field when they needed to most against Alabama. I just think there's a lot lower variance with Michigan. Like you, you, you have high variance with Washington throwing the ball all over the field. Michael Penix having some turnover-worthy plays. I just don't think you see as many things that can go wrong with Michigan's offense. That's why I trust the Wolverines, O as much as any unit going out there. Tonight. No, that's an astute pick by you. They had 30-plus points in 11 of 14 games this year. They lead the nation in penalty yards per game, so they don't hurt themselves very much. They average three rushing touchdowns per contest over the last 32 games, and they do start fast on teams, outscoring opponents 264 to 75 five in first half this season. Fitty, which unit do you trust the most? I'm going to take Michigan's defense just because I know defense travels. I I, I thought Walker picking their offense was uh, was a good, a good pick. You look at their, their four-minute drive against Bama where they had to have it to force overtime. So you trust them in a big spot when they need to make plays, they do it. But this defense is what has propelled Michigan back to being among the best teams in college football the best team in the Big Ten, and I know Washington has scored on everybody, but they haven't seen a defense as physical as Michigan is up front, and I think that's going to be the telltale sign. I think they'll get more pressure on Michael Penix Jr. than anybody else has all year long, and he won't complete some of those throws he's made. You know, that's led the Huskies to the national championship. All right, last question, though, and this is the big one. Is tonight Jim Harbaugh's last game coaching the Michigan Wolverines? I think yes. I think it makes too much sense. You start to hear people now say this is going to be the last time that Jim Harbaugh coaches the Michigan Wolverines. If he wins the championship, then that's the classic riding off into the sunset narrative that he would love to end his tenure with the Wolverines. But if he doesn't even, Wes, you at least still have a successful year, you get to the championship game, and I do think that he wants to go back to the NFL at some point. There's just been too much smoke the last couple of off-seasons. I think this is the last time that he coaches for Michigan, and one of these teams, he's been rumored to so many different franchises already. I think one of them, one of them is going to hire Jim Harbaugh. I think he ends up going to the National Football League. Yeah, the only thing that makes me see yes is it's been said that Michigan has put a contract upwards of a hundred plus million dollars on the table that had a no NFL clause in it for 2024. He's yet to sign that. And that's a lot of Skrilla on the table to turn that down. And so that to me is kind of a telltale sign that this could be it because otherwise I would think, I mean, I know he loves the NFL and wants to go back and win a championship, but man, the coach at your alma mater and win and really establish a legacy and put yourself uh, on the trajectory to being one of the all-time greats in college football, I would think would be appealing, but I think that his love for the NFL may outweigh that. What would it mean for Jim Harbaugh if he gets to the championship game in both sports but loses each of them? Does that matter? Well, I mean, he is 2-6 and six in bowl games at Michigan, and he did lose the Super Bowl with my 49ers. I remember that quite that's vividly. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, how... <laughs> did, I don't know. It feels weird. You know, this is where maybe some rings culture comes in, but 
you did end up just shy of doing the biggest thing you could possibly do at each of these franchises slash programs. That would have to hurt. It's still clearly a very good football coach winning wherever he goes, but not winning 100%, not winning everything at each of these last two stops, but still a very good football coach. It would just have to sting, I would imagine. Fitty, what say you? I think if they lose, I think he comes back. I, I think he's motivated to bring a national championship to Ann Arbor, and I'm with you, Wes. I, I, the fact that that contract's on the table, he hasn't signed it, I think tells you that it's not an easy decision for him to leave, mm-hmm. even though the NFL is very attractive. He could, if he stays at Michigan for the long haul, he could be the best coach in that in that program's history. And that's saying a lot because of all the great coaches that have come through that program. I, I don't think he wants to leave until he gets his program, uh, you know, on top of the mountain as opposed to leaving in second place. All right. Well, you heard it there. Enjoy the game tonight. 730 kickoff on ESPN. They have about 50 different channels. And, and really, really quick, do you guys watch all of the different ways you can watch the championship game or listen to it? Do you do that or you keep Not it really. on the main channel? Not really. I go main channel. Yeah. See, I'm a flipper. I flip around. I want to see all of the different ones. I guess it's the producer in me. I want to see how they execute. I'll do it every now and then. I don't completely ignore all the other broadcasts, but at some point I need to chill and I want to just totally invest in the game. Yeah. And so that's when I go to the main broadcast. I was thinking about uh, listening to the hometown radio once tonight too, as I watched the game, just to hear what they sound like. Fiddy, do you flip around or you just watch one? No, I'm going to sit there and listen to Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit call the game. Ah, You guys are boring. All right. Well, when we come back, (laughs) the yesterday submit this season as the worst in Panthers history on sports radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Remember, you can listen to our stuff online as well. Anywhere you get your podcast. I just saw the update that the podcasts are loaded on Apple. Lots of people listening through Apple. Some people listening through Spotify. Just want you to know, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can go download Weston Walker. Subscribe to the pod. That helps us. Help us help you. That would be fantastic. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Download those episodes. And if you just want to visit our website, you can do that also. WFNZ.com. Click the Wesson Walker podcast tab. And there you can find access to literally everything we do. Anything that goes over the airwaves, we put up there on our website. Whether it's the best of hours, we break it down to the best interviews and even just the best segments. So WFNZ.com. Then just click on the Wes and Walker podcast tab. There you'll also be able to find the next segment. Is this the worst season in Panthers franchise history? It's not the worst record. It's tied for the second worst record of all time. They went 1-15 in 2001. That's the worst record in Panthers history. They went two. They only had two wins. 
when you go all the way to 2010, 2 and 14, and here they are finishing at 2 and 15 in 2023. So record-wise, it's not the worst of all time. But feeling, what we were talking about this offseason, all-star coaching staff, number one overall pick at Bryce Young, enough at the wide receiver position where I was – I was saying that. I mean, I thought there was there was enough here at wide receiver to feel good about it. And the offensive line, we were all hoping that that would just continue to do uh, to improve. But none of it happened here, Wes. And so given what we thought, is this the worst season in Panthers history as you see it? You can text us as well, 704-570-9610. I think no question at all, okay? Because you look at it and so starting first, the most tangible reason is that in those seasons, you got rewarded with a very, very high draft pick. This season, you don't get that. So now you got to scrape and scrounge to try to uh, fill some holes, especially for a player that could be a potential difference maker. So you've uh, hurt yourself there. But also, the Panthers never played with a lead in the fourth quarter the entire season. And the two wins, they won on last second field goals. Okay. They, according to ESPN, they became the second team since 1945 to lead for zero minutes and zero seconds of playing time in the fourth quarter over a full season. Then all the things that you talked about, then you talk about the dissension and the coaching staff and guys going behind each other's backs and, and all of those things, and then the owner throwing a drink on somebody, and all of those things that you add up into the pot, it has been an embarrassing season on and off the field for this team, not to mention Brian Burns' many holdout, and there were just so many embarrassing moments, plus the hope that was sold at the beginning of the season that we all bought into. I thought that this uh, Panthers team, until after I had seen them in the preseason, were going to be ascending this year, but that didn't happen. A lot of units thought that you could count on regressed. And so, yeah, I think so. The defense has been the only somewhat of a bright spot, and they couldn't stop the run very well and didn't sack the quarterback very much. They just were a very good bend but don't break defense, and they were pretty good from a total defense standpoint. But, yes, I think so. When you factor in all of the drama from this season, you factor in a number one draft pick that comes in, the number one overall draft pick that comes in, and still leaves you with way more questions than answers as you go into year two and no top flight pick. Yeah, I think you have to say that because I was just looking at it the other day when they had the picture up on a PFF post on X uh, showing Caleb Williams in the Bears uniform. And I was really sitting there and I said, man, I was just thinking, you know, going to those alternate universes. And I was like, what if the Panthers had Bryce Young and still had the number one pick? What would they do? I heard Mina Kimes ask that. They, they actually had Mina Kimes featuring Lenny podcast and want to include the dog. I never do that. wanted to give Lenny some time. There it is. If Lenny sounds like that, she needs to get rid of it. She does. And move on to a different dog, to yeah, which I apologize does. to Lenny. <laughs> sounds like that. That's a good dog. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that one. So I was listening to Mina Kimes talk about this very question. And she said, I forget who the guest was. Great job by both. But she said, I have a really toxic question. And it's super toxic. If the Panthers had the first overall pick again, would you draft Caleb Williams? And the guy who was there said, look, you're talking to a monster fan in Bryce Young. Bryce Young actually played at this guy's high school. He would go check him out. You know, that high school had plenty of QBs. It's modern day, right? Yes. So modern day had plenty of other QBs that were would go on and you know throw for crazy records and go on to the NFL and all that sorts of stuff. And he said, yeah, Bryce was the best one out of all of them. Love what Bryce Young is. 
yeah, I'm drafting Caleb Williams number one. If you have the number one overall pick, well, this guy is considered generational too, right? Like he he's up there with the Trevor Lawrence type, Andrew Luck type, John Elway type. And Trevor Lawrence may be bucking that trend. You and I both still love us some Trevor Lawrence. I, I still think he can be a good QB. But until Trevor, everybody with that kind of tab, Wes, they'd lived up to it. Yes. They lived up to the hype. We'll see about Trevor. But Caleb Williams... Well, Trevor might be the outlier. Like you still have to draft Caleb Williams and then even Drake may people love. So yeah, I think you might, I think you might have to, especially with it going as poorly as it did this season. As far as, is this the worst season in Panthers history? People are writing in Stanford P says taking everything into consideration, record apathy, owner behavior. Yeah. It's the worst Aaron for Mallard Creek. Yes. At least Jimmy Clausen got us cam. <laughs> Jack says, is it a greater probability that all the weapons and vets and offensive line fell apart or that Bryce is just not good? I think both. Well, certainly the first part, it's true that I think they weren't nearly as what we all thought. But Bryce Young also didn't perform as well as we thought, at least the Bryce truthers out there. CJ, the baker, he said it's the worst season because of the upcoming offseason. And final one, 919 said it's the worst season by far. Fired a coach midseason. We couldn't score a touchdown to save our life. Back-to-back shutouts. We didn't lead in the fourth quarter throughout the entire year. It's a pretty good text from 919. I think it is, Wes. I think it's the worst season that we've ever seen in Panthers history. And I think if you go back to 2010, just the most recent awful year too, right? Jimmy Clausen, bad QB performance. You still had some decent players. Like Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams was still a really good running back duo that you would bring in the next year and they ran for a lot of yards in Cam Newton's rookie season. So you still had the double trouble uh, in the backfield. Loved that. You still had Steve Smith the next year, right? You knew you were going to have Steve Smith the following season who had already by 2011 been one of the best Panthers ever. Not nearly as much as what he would become, but it already was solidified as one of the greatest Panthers of all time. You still had some stuff to look forward to. If you go to the worst record ever, you go to that 2001 season That one was pretty bad. Not a lot of talent to speak of, certainly offensively. You're talking about Steve Smith as a rookie, a pro bowler, but he was a pro bowler because of what he did. Special teams. We had no clue he could be somebody that would make a big impact offensively. You had Bianca Batuka, who played in just five games that year. And remember how high of a draft pick he was. He only ran for 230 yards. Your leading rusher that season, Richard Huntley. At 665, like you didn't have as much talent. And so maybe you could go there, but Wes, I think the expectations and the downfall is what kills this season. The most is that we thought we might be contending for a postseason birth. We thought they might be actually in contention to win the division. And yet everything went so horribly wrong. And then your owner is showing more incompetence by throwing a drink on a fan just to end the entire year. And if that wasn't bad enough, you have two straight shutouts. You can't score a touchdown. DJ Chark comes within a yard of scoring a touchdown, but then fumbles it because he's holding the football with one hand. DJ, what are you doing? After you have a good game against Green Bay, you have three drops in just a series of downs in the next game. And then the final game of the season, you take away a touchdown by holding the football with one hand. I This is the worst. 
that's why I think most people agree on the text line. Yeah, and just real quick on the, the DJ Chalk, I know we'll get into second take Tuesday or whatnot, but I just hate when guys stick the ball out. But that was also a hell of a play by Winfield. But, uh, but yeah, man, like I said, but those are quiet losing seasons because I was around for those seasons. And, yeah, there might have been some different things that might have happened here and then. No, we didn't have X and some of those different things to get some of these stories and some of these rumblings. But I just think that when you look at how the season went, man, it was just it was embarrassing. Great for us. Great for me. I mean, I love sports drama. It's among my favorites. You we know what it. I'm saying? But there were just so many things that are black eyes on this organization. And so they have a lot to do to clean this thing up as far as an on-field and off-field standpoint. There's a lot of uh, just kind of getting the public back on their side. And we know a lot of times it's just as simple as winning, but the fans need to see a lot of different things to show that this team is serious about winning, serious about changing their ways, because I think this is a fan base that's that's on the brink. And I'm not going to say they're going to completely give up, but if they see one or two more things from Tepper that shows them that, man, this thing is looking bleak, then I think you have a chance for a full-scale catastrophe where you're talking about just empty seats, bad product on the field, and this thing is looking as bad as it could possibly look. You mentioned the fans even giving up. 803 wrote in, my uncle and I are PSL owners. He's never missed a home game voluntarily, even in the Clemson days. He didn't go to the last two home games. Hashtag worst season ever. We're not getting any fight on this, Wes. Yeah. I, I thought people would say, hey, I was there for 2001. That was really rough. You know, Mike from Mooresville said 2001 was very bad. After week one, the Panthers never ran the ball. But, like, man, nobody is fighting us on this except for Mike from Mooresville, who's not even fighting us. He's just saying 2001 was bad, which everybody agrees with. It, everything went so poorly. Uh, we mentioned in the video that we released on social media, at Wesson Walker, you can find it um, on our Twitter timeline. We talked about how this was worst case scenario. It, Bryce, you don't even know if he's it or not. Yes. It's almost worse than finding out that Bryce Young is just a complete bust because then at least you know what to do at QB, but you still don't know because you didn't put enough around him. The offensive line we thought was going to be good. They suffered a lot of injuries. They had a million different left-right guard combinations, and I think that left the tackles particularly susceptible to stunts because – uh, in the Mina Kimes podcast that I was mentioning, Inky Kwanu got beat a lot. There were 50 QB pressures that I think he allowed. It was the fourth worst clip of any left tackle in the NFL. Over half of them came on stunts and blitzes. And I think a lot of that has to do with you not knowing what you're, what guard you're playing with. I think a lot of that does have to do with you just not having a nice line of communication. And so maybe Icky moves inside. Maybe that might be what's best for him and the team. But also I'm not sure if that's, if we should just strip him of any ability to be a future left tackle. Like, I'm not sure of that yet. Maybe you are, but I still think there's that possibility. Could you just get a guard that plays every game with him, and then Icky looks a lot better? Because we did see some nice enough pass protection games from them this season. There were some bad moments, but we saw nice enough games from him. Bryce Young, same thing. Like, the wide receivers, it's if it's not Adam Thielen within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, then you can't rely on anything. If it's not Chuba Hubbard gaining hard-earned yards, then you can't expect anything else in the run game. You can't even dump it off because they don't have a great pass catcher at the running back position. And then we get to the coaching staff where Frank Reich, quite literally, Wes, 
has the third shortest tenure of any other NFL coach in NFL history who at least coached one NFL game in their first go around. So nothing went right. Nothing did. Even Derek Brown, now to the point where, okay, you have to pay Derek Brown, but now it comes at this weird time where we're trying to figure out if we need to pay Brian Burns and Frankie Luvu. I mean, you even have some problems with Derek Brown in that contract coming up. So many other things went wrong as to just what we saw in the L column this well, year. Well, and, and real quick, too, and I'm sure James Campen goes over this with these guys, but to your point that you were saying about the stunts, it's not even communication like that. You drill that as an offensive lineman. I know that when my man goes down inside hard, something's coming. That's the thing about it. It is kind of, I'm not going to say easy peasy, but good Lord, man, you know when your man goes down inside hard, something's coming back, and they still couldn't get that right, Yeah. okay? So, you know, but other than that, as I said, this fan base, you know, I give them credit. They they deserve better than what they got this year because this was just bad all the way around. There aren't hardly any positives you can look to. And when you look at these teams, you know, the, the talent wasn't horrible. Like I said, the, the main thing was just the regression on the offensive line that really made this offense kind of start behind the eight ball, and they played that way the entire season. When you have the regression on the offensive line the way they did – and you don't have any other wide receiver you can trust. Yeah. Killer. It becomes the worst QB situation in the NFL. When they become maybe the worst pass-protecting unit in the entire National Football League, and Adam Thielen is your number one receiver, who is not a deep threat anymore, who is somebody that is most effective when you're throwing to him on crucial first down, really like your third, fourth, and shorts, and maybe some mids. But even with the mid amount of yards to go, Thomas Brown scared to death to let Bryce Young throw the damn football yesterday against Tampa Bay. Yeah. They ran it on third and five. They ran it on third and 12 with nothing to play for. With nothing to play for. It's not like you have, oh, well, we need to live to fight another day. No, you dead. You died. Okay, bye. <laughs> you, <laughs> like, think he, you think he kind of just knew, like, look, man, it's it for me anyway, so whatever. You would think, you it'd, would be the, not, you would think it'd be the opposite, right? Yeah. Like, am I tripping off empty that? Empty the clip? No, empty the clip. You would think Thomas Brown was like, look, okay, I'm not going to be here anymore. We just saw my wife tweet out that we're going to be here till the end of the season, and then I'm going to move on, that David Tepper is not going to retain me. And so I might as well just empty the playbook. We saw it from other teams, too. It's not like just some fan fable that you're playing Madden, and then you're just decide, okay, it's the last game of the season. Let's bring out all the halfback tosses. I think we saw Tennessee with some trick plays. We saw a lot of teams empty the clip. And Carolina just decides, no, third and 12, let's run the football, and let's not allow Bryce Young to throw the football downfield, except for, like, what, three times all game? That was maddening to watch, Wes. How many – we had the over-under. I think you ended up beating me because, yeah, Bryce Young yeah, Bryce, threw for, like – I was checking during the game. I said, yeah, Bryce came through for me. Bryce Young, yeah. <laughs> In the worst of ways. In the worst of ways. But Bryce Young threw for eight yards in the first quarter. One of the other props that we have, you change it. You could have beat me by a lot, but you change your answer on the over-under for Johnny Hecker punts. Johnny Hecker cleared the punt mark by like early in the third quarter. He had six, at least early in the third quarter. They punted all the time. Go for it. What do you have to lose? Nothing. Send them home. Nothing. That was every playbook, every play in your playbook, you should, 
you should go for it. That I mean, was so bad. It should bad. just be a fun game for the team to just come out and just do whatever. I mean, that's how you get guys going. That's how you get them involved is just come out and just have fun with it. Like you said, playing not to lose. That's the type of game playing you saw. Playing not to lose, why? It was so It was so bad. <laughs> what a bad end to what was the worst yeah. season in franchise history. And even still, you ended poorly. How in the world did you not even live up to our very low expectations in the last game of the season? We knew what was about to happen. We knew that you were probably going to lose. We even still had a shot to win. The Tampa Bay only put up nine points. I think Fluke Juki though brings a good point. He said, I think it was he likes Bryce and didn't want to get him killed because the O-line is hot trash. There's a little bit of a theory because the only saving he saw him on the turf against Jacksonville, and he said, look, man, I don't want to put the final nail in the coffin and get this kid hurt to where he can't even start off next season uh, hitting the ground running, and he's going to be on IR, pup, or whatever it is to start the year. I mean, at least just throw some 50-50 balls, Yeah, man. right. I, I, listen, I'm not buying into I, that. I, I just no, said I he has it. an interesting no, theory. Point. I think that he should... You know, he should have played and he should have done everything in his power to get points on the board. And just to play the other side, you're right. I would be having a different tune heading into next season if Bryce Young was hurt and was seriously hurt. I, I would be pretty pissed about that. Yeah. So if there was any of that of that thought process, then okay. I'll give some some validation to that. But not enough for me to not throw fifty fifty balls at least a little bit or throw it downfield and run it on third and twelve. That that decision that decision had me ready to turn off the game. I only stuck around a little bit longer because I'd already come this far. It's Wesson Walker. We're sounding off on the Panthers. It's your time. If you want to call in, come on, hit us up. Share your thoughts and comments on the guest line, the phone line. 704-570-9610. You can call in and share your opinion on the Panther season, David Tepper, Bryce Young, whatever you want to talk about. 704-570-9610. Call in and share your thoughts on the other side of the break. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Is Baby Fitty playing some club music because we're celebrating that the season is over? Mike's he might be on. playing that because of that. There's a lot going on. It's okay. We got the club music going on. Strobe lights are everywhere. Season is done. I saw so many people say, mercifully, the 2023 season is over for the Carolina Panthers. And it feels like most of the fans have the same exact thoughts that I saw on my timeline. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, welcoming all the calls for the Pulse of Panther Nation segment taking place right now. 704-570-9610. Have your voice heard right here on Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. Jersey Frank is the first caller. Jersey Frank. How are you doing, man? I'll probably get to call into you guys. This is awesome. This was the worst season by far. Like, I've been part, I was part of the one in whatever, 14, 15, and all the misery that we've endured with Jimmy Clausen and 
this has to, it was the most embarrassing season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, listening to you guys all in the preseason, not just you guys, but Mac and Bone, every, the offensive line is going to be good and we're going to have this, we're <laughs> going to have that. And I, I, I don't want to, on air, I haven't said Bryce is a bust and I, and I don't want to say that. You, you know, you made a good point, but it's scary to know, well, next year, do we know if he's still any good because of what we did this year? Like, we're going to have to go through this again to see if he's any good. And if he's not any good, then we got to start this whole process over again. Um, but, you know, between the moron throwing the drink at a fan and, you know, not scoring a point in the last two games, like you said today, just now, like, why weren't we just going to play football yesterday? Why were we punting? What, what did it matter? What were we saving the guys for? To have breakfast today? Like, just go out and try to win to something. It, just, it was just overall the whole season. It never from the first. If you guys just think back, I told this to Mac and Bone. Think back to, like, the second or third play of the first Atlanta game. That was our season. It was slow. It just seemed like we never got started. It was like we never came out of the box strong. And it just, God, it was so long. I'm just so happy. It's so, <laughs> and I'm happy Fitterer is gone. <laughs> I, I think I just saw all the stages of grief that you just went through. At first it was denial, yeah. and then it was acceptance that you're happy it's over. I, I want to ask you this yeah. real quickly, Frank, and then I also want to have this question serve to the listenership as well via the text line. Yes, sir. Is it still the worst season ever if David Tepper doesn't throw the drink? Because I actually think that's yeah, a, a yeah. monster deal. Is it still the worst yes. one for you? Okay. Remember, like you, you. I was driving around the car. Then when you said I could take call, you would take calls. I was lucky to get in. We had Steve Smith. We had Cam Newton sitting on our sideline, waiting to come out and take us to Super Bowl and take us to fifteen and one. There was excitement coming. We knew we had something there. If you if you just be honest with yourself, look in the mirror as Panther fans, look in the mirror and say, what do we have to look forward to next year? Derek Brown, maybe. Derek Brown, Frankie Louvu, maybe. What else? Like You can't say, well, man, Bryce is going to be awesome next year. You could say that. You can't say that. We still have the same owner. We're still going to have to deal with that crap. We're, what do we have to look forward to? Another losing season? Another coach coming in? Possibly trying to put his, his little mark on what we've got? We are Panther fans, and we are constantly being pooped on. Like I've said every show, I want to win. Yeah, I just want to win. It's a great and call, Frank. I, I yeah. want to score touchdowns. How about we score touchdowns, guys? Can we just do that? I would love Let's to. Score touchdowns. I don't want to be pooped on, and I want to score touchdowns just like Frank does. We appreciate the phone call from Frank. Thanks, that Frank. Was a, that was a great one to lead us off, but I can understand. Do you get my question, though, on the David Tepper stuff? Because you're right. Plenty of stuff to point to to still prove it's the worst season of all time. But when your owner, the guy that is supposed to be held to the highest standard of anybody in the NFL... I really think that if you own an NFL franchise, then you are supposed to abide by the rules in place put forth by the league and the owners, a part of the league. And yet here you are throwing a drink on fans because of how bad the season went. 
I really think that is the thing that might have pushed it over for a lot of fans and deservedly so. Oh, sure. Nobody expected to see something like that from him. We had seen a lot from him that we felt was undesirable. But now when you see him doing what he did to an actual fan, yeah, that's definitely the cherry on top. And I think the caller uh, hit it, too, when he talked about Bryce Young, because if he thinks he felt pressure this year, he ain't seen nothing till this coming season, because if he doesn't hit. I mean, this sets this franchise back another couple of seasons. And so that's the scariest, biggest X factor for them next season is that what if Rice doesn't work and you give up all that capital for a guy that doesn't pan out? Yeah, 704 said, worst season ever regardless. Throwing the drink makes it the most embarrassing. Maybe there is okay. a difference there. I like that from 704. Let's go back to the phone lines. You can call in as well, 704-570-9610. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Is it Smill? That's calling in. Is that right, Smill? That is correct. All right, Smill. Smil, what's on your mind, Smill? Hey, Wes and Walker. First time, long time, man. But really just rejoicing today. I feel like we got to be a little glass half full here. You know, happy to get fitter out of the building. I mean, in his tenure, decline the two first for Burns. You trade CMC and you get what fizzles out to nothing. You take Icky at six. You trade the two, four, and six for Darnold. You cut Cam. You trade up for DJ Johnson. You reach for me. I mean, it goes on and on. The third for CJ Henderson. You let Reddick walk. You let Gilmore walk. Third rounder on Corral. Uh, you pay Miles Sanders, so I'll just stop there. But <laughs> kind of find, finding some time to rejoice today. Not done on Bryce yet. I think this is a solid guy. you got to put the correct things around him. It's like anyone that's been in a toxic work environment. I mean, it, it's hard for the guy to get his job done when everybody's, you know, talking in his ear, throwing him things left and right. He couldn't be himself. So I am far from, from sold on Bryce. I think he'll actually be really good when we can build around him. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, I'll keep it pretty pretty short and sweet, just kind of rejoicing that Fitterer's gone and, and hoping we can get some, some new regime in here. Yeah, I think that he brought a lot of great points to the table, obviously going through the litany of missed uh, picks and signings that the Panthers have had. And so when you talk about Fitter, the 17 draft picks that they used from 2021 to 2022, only nine are still employed by the team or his practice squad. And so uh, only first-round picks, Icky, uh, and then six-round pick, Amari Barno and Kay Mays remain from that 2022 class. And I think that, you know, the Panthers have had some seasons to where, whether it was under Bill Polian or Marty Herney, where they have hit on enough guys and have made the correct signings, but that just hasn't been the case with them recently. And the Panthers have a, you know, severe issue as far as the scouting department and as well as just their talent evaluation, because that's where, that's why you are where you are. Like I said, under Scott Fitterer, five and 12, seven and 10, two and 15. And so uh, there's a lot to be desired with talent evaluation, and that's going to have to get back on point if they want to have any chance of trying to right this ship in the coming seasons. Yeah. He mentioned the Christian McCaffrey trade, some of the bad things. We go back to a point we made at the beginning of the season, even the good stuff that you can point to that Scott Fitterer did. A lot of it comes with caveats. So you can go to Frankie Luvu, not really a caveat there, just shrewd move. Bring Frankie Luvu aboard, balls out way past the value of his contract. He's going to be one of the higher paid linebackers because he can do a little bit of everything. And he's an excellent pass rusher as a linebacker. We saw that in this game against Tampa Bay. So that's a good one. But also, if you go to Joe Person's article dropped December 20th as to the good, the bad, the unknown that Scott Fitterer was a part of. One of the other positives is Scott Fitterer being at the helm while they built while they built the defense and special teams. But there's some caveats there. 
Derek Brown, Marty Herney pick. Brian Burns contract didn't get taken care of. They decided to re-sign Dante Jackson, who I think had a better year this year. I, I think bad start, really nice five, six game stretch. Coverage grade was pretty good. Tackle grade is hit or miss. That's just the player who Dante is. Okay. Xavier Woods is a good signing. Von Bell, a little underwhelming this year, and I thought that was going to be a really nice signing. Yeah, nah, he was definitely not what yeah. was expected. And so, okay, so even with building the defense, being underwhelmed there, you're talking about, you know, drafting J.C. Horn, that being a hit, but he also only a hit talent-wise, not him being on the field. Even the good stuff. Stephon Gilmore, he really helped then. And he's still a good player now, but you let him walk because he wanted to go play with a contender. Even the good stuff, Wes. Plenty of bad to point out, even with the positives that you point to. And that's what's tough. All right, let's move on. It's the live wire with Josh Fitty Marlowe. That's the conversation we're going to have to have. Does he keep the nickname? I, I don't know if I can call him anything else, but Scott Fitter is gone now. Is he the only Fitty in town, or do we change his nickname too? It's Josh. Should we poll for a new nickname? We could. Josh? <laughs> question mark Marlowe with the live wire coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.